We are on Sefer Malachim Beis, Peret Ches, the Elisha Diber El Ha'isha. And just one uh, cautionary note, it is very easy to get confused in this parrot because it is not in a straight linear timeline. There are flashbacks. It goes back and forth. Incidents that occurred already, incidents that uh, have not occurred, but we are dealing with, for example, we haven't heard from Shevet Yehuda, the tribes of Judah, who are in the southern kingdom in, in many Prakim. So it's going to go back and forth what's been going on during this time there. So now we go back to the incident of the Isha Hashunamis. You will recall that the Isha Hashunamis was this very well-regarded Sadekis who gives Elisha a room in her house, builds a special section in the annex of her home, and after a while he blesses her with that the one thing that she does not have is a child. She has the child, but tragically, a few years later, he's working in the field with his father and must have gotten something akin to sunstroke and dies. And she goes to get Elisha. Elisha comes back and in a miracle of Tfiyas Hamesim revives the child. So now we go back. Remember the famine ended in yesterday's Perak, that seven-year famine, and now we're going to flash back to what she has been doing during those seven years. The Elisha Diber El Ha'isha Asher Hechyes Elisha speaks to that Isha Hashinamis, who, um, who he revived her son, Lemo, saying, Kumi Ulechi At Uvesecha Veguri Vasher Toguri Kikara Hashem Rav Vegamba El Ha'aret Shema Shanim. In other words, get up, go out of this area where there is a famine, or will be a famine, because it is going to last seven years. Was, was he, there a famine also in Yehuda? That is an excellent question. We don't know. I saw the Mephorshim asked, was there a famine in Yehuda? There is no absolute scriptural reference to being it in Yehuda at the same time. Why would he ask her to go to the land of the Plishtim if Yehuda was... She selects it. She picks it herself. And, and to many, the land of the Plishtim is really the territorial limits of, of Eretz Yisrael also. But the, the, the question is excellent. Was there a parallel machlokas in Yehuda? No reference to it. Uh, so anyway, he tells her, go, where, because there's a terrible famine for seven years. She does what Elisha commands. She goes to Eretz Plishtim for seven years. Note the reliance on Elisha telling her to go. She is a very wise woman. She would not go of her own accord because she is very aware of the incident we've had with Rus where um, Elimelech, who is a very reputable uh, judge in the land of Israel, he leaves for the famine to Moab, and his two sons, Machlon and Kiyon, go, and it is, in many respects, there is a tragic death all around because they left, 
and there is a reluctance to leave on her part. And I would just quote to you the Rambam in Hilchos Malachim, um, it is forbidden, says the Rambam, to leave Eretz Yisrael, except for the following. Lilmo Torah, to learn Torah, Olisa Isha, or to take a wife, Olahatzil, Miyad Hagoyim, to save yourself from um, imminent attack from the Goyim, the Yachsola Oris. But after this has been taken care of, you must come back. The Chain Yotzehu Liskalra, the same rules apply to someone who goes out for business, of a Lishkon Bechutzola Eretz Asur, to establish. A residence to live out there, it is usur, no questions asked. The exception is a rub, uh, and you wait until the prices have settled there and food is available, and then you must come back. So that is why she is terribly cautious. However, now she has come back. Uh, after seven years, and she comes back, and she has found a terrible situation when she comes back and is going to the king to appeal, etc., uh, for the return of her house and her fields. We know there is a halacha in our religious practice in the Torah, that if one, uh, someone comes on your land when you're not there, in your absence, if you are there, you come back, or you have the opportunity to make a protest within three years, you have every right to remove that squatter who is on your land. We have a parallel uh, principle in our own common law called adverse possession. That someone who is in adverse possession of your property and you do nothing about it for three years, you are then stopped from asserting your claim on it. So here she was a victim of the rub, the famine, and she comes back and she appeals. And by the way, the Mephoshim showed there's very little sympathy among her townspeople and the judicial system there precisely because she left during the famine. And now she's going directly to the king. So we switch to the king's palace. And very strangely, he is sitting chatting with Gehazi, who now has leprosy. He's been banished from Elisha's um, Domicile, so El Gehazinar Ish Elohim Lemor, and he says to him, Safranoli es Kolagadolos Asherolos Elisha. Tell me of the miracles that Elisha has done. This raises two specific questions. One, what is Gehazi, an acknowledged leper who has to live on the outside of the walls, doing in an audience with the king, with Yehoram? Uh, and two, what miracles does Yehoram have no knowledge of? Uh, if anything, he has been the beneficiary, he has been the victim, he has seen every miracle. So one, Gehazi is probably there because of the last chapter we saw how he saved Yehoram in that Aram and letting him know that Aram had fled and thereby ensuring his victory. And so he was being received at court, as it were. Second, yes, 
Yehoram knows the Nisan that Elisha did that were betzibor, that were public, that were national in nature. He doesn't know a lot of the private miracles that we have seen, including the Isha Hashinamis, including curing Naman of leprosy. So by Yehihu misaper lemelech, Gehazi complies and he's telling the king, Yisasher hechya es hameis, how he revived the dead. V'hineho isha asher hechya es bena, so ekes el hamelech al beisav al sadah. She has now come into the palace at the same moment to complain to the king and ask for judgment with her reference to the house in the field. By Yomer Gehazi, Gehazi in shock, this is the woman, this is her son that I'm telling you about that Elisha revived. It is miraculous. It is no coincidence, of course. And Abarbanel goes on to say this is the last of the Nisim, that he created a nace where it would be simultaneous that this woman comes in with her complaint at the same time he's telling the miracle. By Yishal HaMelech Isha, the king asks of the Shunamit woman to repeat it. But to Saperlo, and she tells him, By Yitin Lo HaMelech Soris Echad Leimor, he assigns to her, a Soris means literally a eunuch. We're going to talk about it in a second, but it's basically it could be an officer or a, a retainer. And he assigns a specific retainer to her. Hechiv has called Asher Law. See that this woman gets back everything of hers. That Tohatzfua Hasadeh, the produce that was for seven years that they had enjoyed. See that she gets that back. Miyom Azva from the day she departed. As Haaretz Baadata from now. So he guarantees a full restoration of her rights in the land and the property. As for the unit part, uh, the, the, most unfortunately say it could have been uh, an, originally a non-Jewish unit. Uh, some say it's even possible that because of Izevel, who knows, they could have been Jewish units. But in any case, he does the job and he restores the Shunamis's property. Now, Elisha now journeys to Damesek. The king of Aram, uh, Hadad, happens to be sick. It is told him, Elisha has come into the precincts of Damesek. What is he going to Damesek for? Two reasons given. One, you will recall, you will maybe not recall, that Back in Malachim Aleph, Eliyahu, Elisha's predecessor, is commanded to go to Damesek to anoint Chazoel. He's going to anoint the next king of Aram. He doesn't get there, I think, uh, that's when the Kaddish Baruch Hu calls him to his eternal reward, so he has never done that. Now Elisha is going to carry out that mission. Two, we learn this in the Gemara, uh, in Sota, and I will paraphrase it rather than read it, we learn that Elisha is widely criticized the way he treated Gehazi. Yes, Gehazi was an evil man, but he pushed him away, says the Gemara, with both hands. You never reject a person without giving him an avenue of tshuva, uh, as Elisha did. So he is going to Damesek, and we see that Gehazi is in Damesek now. 
And he tells him, repent. Gemara recounts the dialogue. He says, do tshuva and you will be saved. And he says, no, he can't. In fact, you yourself told me, Elisha, that there was no avenue of tshuva to me because I was mahti as harabim, and therefore he chooses not to do tshuva, even though technically it is open to him. What did he do that was mahti as harabim is a pretty serious crime that he gets others to sin, to follow him in sinning. We learned that he had done something with magnets, raising that golden calf that Yerubam bought so that people think, oh, he's a miracle worker. Or two, he engraved into the tongue of the golden calf the first commandment uh, that there shall be no other gods before me. And so the Egel looked like it was repeating at that first commandment and they thought this is a miraculous uh, occurrence and it is encouraging of Avodah Zorah. So he is one of three people, three Hedjotim, not kings, who are denied a share of Olam But that's what he is doing in Zamesek and being the personage that he is, uh, it is told to um, to um, Hadad that he's here. By Yomar HaMelech al-Chazael, that's the one who he's going to appoint, he says to Chazael, who's just a, a worker, a servant, go out and greet this man of God, will I survive this illness? He takes a gift. The whole tube, Damesep and Shum, are buying gummo, 40 camels laden with gifts. Your servant, Hadad, Melech Aram, Shlachani Elecha, Leimor, Will I survive this? Will I live or die? As for the gifts, we saw Elisha doesn't accept a gift when he cures Naman. Why does he accept a gift here? He accepts it in advance. And what is the gift of 40 camels? You're not going to put gold and silver 40 camels worth just for a visit. It's filled with food and it's filled with fruits and produce. And that Elisha has a need for as the famine is ending and also for his Talmudim. He has a huge, vast network of Talmudim. So now the question is, will um, Hadad live or die? And we will find out at 8.45 a.m. tomorrow in Yerzah Hashem Ad Khan.